Turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Now this speaks about the finished work of Jesus on the cross and part of what that victory entailed. What was the victory of Christ? We know He triumphed over sin and so forth, but there's even more to what the Lord accomplished and triumphed over. And so let's read Colossians 2, verse 15. And having spoiled... That means like totally ruined. Okay, totally ruined. Having spoiled principalities and powers, this would be demonic things, okay? Spiritual wickedness and darkness and high places and so forth. And Ephesians 6 talks about. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, openly triumphing over them in it. And this is specifically, if you look at the end of verse 14, in the cross. In the cross, in his death. Where did he win this victory? He didn't win the victory and going around shouting at the devil. There was a specific plan. Although the Lord cast demons out of people, this is a victory that was spoken of in way back in Genesis chapter 3. I mean, think about it. The first man and the woman, woman they sin, and the Lord pronounces a judgment on the man, on the woman. On the, the curse of the ground was going to be cursed, and through the sweat of his brow, the man would till the ground and, and get food and so forth. They were banished from the garden. But he pronounces a specific uh, defeat to the enemy, to the serpent, which is the devil, that he would, the serpent would bruise the Lord's head, I mean, his heel. And in, in Jesus would crush. He uses the word bruise, but it's not the same word. It's interesting in Hebrew. It says that Satan would bruise the Lord's heel and the Lord would bruise Satan's head. But the bruising that the Lord does to Satan's head is a crushing. Okay? And it was forecasting and predicting and foretelling that, that Jesus would come one day in the fullness of time and win that victory and gain back what, what had been given over to the devil through sin and creation and mankind. But it's not only gaining that back, it's more. It's even more of a, a complete victory. So we're talking about the cross. We know that Jesus died on the cross, a specific cross between two thieves about 2,000 years ago on Golgotha's hill and was crucified and died. He said it's finished. He gave up the ghost and it was there's not a bigger event in the history of the world. And then the resurrection three days later, put them together. And, but that cross of the Lord Jesus is not just something that's, that's just nice to think about. Like in a history book, and you think about the Mayflower, you know, coming over from, you know, a bunch of pilgrims coming over on the Mayflower. It's just historical. The cross is still at work in the lives of believers. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That we are to reckon ourselves dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Christ. And so his, his death is, was a complete victory. But for me now, for me personally, who've come to know the Lord, all right, for me to walk in such a victory, I have to reckon it to be counted for my death as well. I can't just keep living my life, the life of Randy, and then ask Jesus to come along and I want all the good stuff that goes with it. 
there's a death. He had a death, a burial, and a resurrection. And when we come to Christ, spiritually speaking, there's a death, burial, and a resurrection. When somebody's baptized in water, it's spoken of, it's taught, it's ministered by the minister that's doing the baptizing, that it represents a burial. If you look in and look up the word baptism, it means a passing through, a submersion, a burial. And so, uh, and this is just, we don't go and nail ourselves to a cross. We don't physically drag around a big heavy cross all the time. We do deny ourselves and, and by faith say that old life is over. We put off the old man and all the deceitful lusts and the deeds that go with it. The Bible says if we through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. And that's speaking to believers. We're already living and we're living in Christ. But if I'm going to live in victory and walk in, in the victory that Christ won over you know, spoiling principalities and powers, if I'm going to actually experience that, then I have to reckon it to be so by faith. And I have to allow the Lord to work in my life. John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. So it's an ongoing thing. Salvation is just in a moment. It's when you, by faith, give your life to Christ. You're not saved over and over again. But we are being sanctified. And this is what we're talking about in our study on the cross. And specifically, the devil. And remember what we talked about. I don't know if you do remember, but two weeks ago, where does the devil get in? He gets in our minds. He gets into, uh, because we give, a, we give place to him. We live, leave something in our life unguarded. We, we are unprotected. Okay? And he is seek, walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter 5. And so this is what he's doing. He's actively doing that. Don't be surprised that he's doing that. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. Well, we know with a world that's lost and doesn't know Jesus already lies, James says, I believe, in the embrace of the wicked one. Already lies in his embrace. They don't know that. doesn't mean they're demon-possessed. But saved people, what can Satan do to save people? He can do a lot. Can he damn us? Can he take us to hell? Can he destroy our lives? He cannot. But he can, he can afflict us. He can... Uh, the Bible says, I know it's Old Testament, but Lot was vexed in his spirit by living amongst godless, wicked people. Satan will absolutely take advantage of what we give him. So we need to be on guard. One of the primary things we have to guard is our mind. But the whole concept is, the thought is that we give him a place in our, in our flesh. I said it two weeks ago. Sometimes when you're extra tired physically, we can let our guards down. We're kind of zoned out. We're not praying like we should and we're just exhausted. We need to be on guard. We need to be on guard. Uh, sometimes when you're by yourself, you may be more inclined to watch something on TV that you certainly wouldn't watch with other people there. Sometimes when you're with a certain group of people that are levitous or they don't know the Lord even or they say they know the Lord but they're not really holy uh, and they're not seeking after God, we might be more inclined to sin 
and give place to the devil. All these things we're not ignorant of. We're not just walking through life blindly, stumbling over something in the dark. Jesus is the light of the world. He says, if I'm, you know, and He calls us the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And so, we need to walk in the light of His Word. And part of that is, any time that self tries to raise itself up and wants to be heard and wants to be fed and wants to be uh, pampered or whatever it may be and satisfied, we need to put that down. Again, I'm not talking about getting a whip and beating ourselves on the back. I'm talking about the flesh wanting to usurp what God says. God says, get up and pray. And we say, I want to sleep in. Well, if we, in a pattern, if, you know, don't watch it, we'll get in a pattern of sleeping in. So now we didn't have that time to pray because we got to get off to work or school and it got away from us. And we say, well, God will forgive me. Yes, He will forgive me. But what I'm doing, I'm giving place to the devil. And those things can become a pattern. And I'm not as strong as I should be. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. In Ephesians 6, where it's talking about the nature of our warfare against these principalities and powers, it says, having given the full armor of God, it ends it's by saying, pray always with all prayer and supplication. So if prayerlessness would be a place where I'm giving place to the devil, Neither give place to the devil, the Bible says. Neither give place to the devil. So that's a commandment to the Christian, not to the lost man. The lost man, that's like speaking a foreign language to them. They need to be born again. But to the believer, we understand, I need to not give place to the devil. When I'm around these people, invariably, I'm going to, and inevitably, I'm going to sin. I'm going to listen to something I shouldn't. I'm going to say something I shouldn't. I need to be on guard. And maybe, I'm not, you know, it's between you and the Lord, maybe God's separating you from them. But at the very least, if you can't separate, say they're their co-workers and so forth, um, we need to be on guard and we need to be prepared. And so this, this is just, Satan cannot just come bombard us. He's got to get through the Lord to get to us. That's a wonderful thing to know. You might not feel like it. You might not feel like you're being hammered by the devil. You're, he still has to go to the Lord to get to you and to me. He had, and, and he can only do what the Lord allows him to. But when we give place to the devil, we're going we're gonna to be afflicted. We're going to be hurt. We're going to be tormented. And it's going to hurt our testimony to some degree. And so there's a first Adam. So now we're talking about our flesh. The first Adam gave place to the devil, Adam and Eve. The first Adam was the real Adam in the garden. But Jesus Christ is called the second Adam. And we have the nature of Adam because we were born as descendants of Adam and sinners. But we also have the nature of the new Adam or Christ in us being born again. And that new Adam has nothing to do with Satan. Nothing. And Satan has nothing to do with Christ in us. It is only as we're in the flesh that He has an ability or a foothold into our lives. So I just don't want to make it more complicated than it is. Anytime that I want to give pity to myself. Anybody ever pity themselves? Self-pity? If you don't, I want to come hang out with you sometime and 
and learn and be taught some more. Anytime we give, we pity ourselves and we comfort ourselves and so forth, we're given place to, the, to feeding the flesh. And Satan will come in there and say, you know what? They did do you wrong. And you deserve better than that. And you need to stick up for yourself. And you need to, they did this to you, you need to spread a little lie about them. You need to do, you know, Satan will come in there and whisper those things. And the flesh is all too happy to cooperate with that. So you cast down imaginations and things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. No, we, we are to bless those that curse us. They could think of 10 or 15 scriptures right now about how we're to, tr to treat or respond to those that have mistreated us. Yes, they did us wrong. We did Jesus wrong, okay? And I've done the Lord wrong since I've been saved more times than I care to, to, uh, to mention. But think about the Lord. Jesus could have come down off the cross. He, he could have saved himself. And that's what his mockers were saying. He saved others himself he cannot save. Let him come down from the cross and save himself, then we'll believe. They would not have believed, by the way, because they had an evil heart of unbelief. But he refused that. He refused himself. What was he doing? He was doing the will of the Father. He, he was laying down his life for the sins of the world. And it was not to feed his flesh. The cross is the ultimate example of not satisfying your flesh at all. But he could have. We know he didn't. But he could have come down off the cross. He had the power to come down off the cross. And he refused to save himself. And so that same spirit, that same Christ, is the one that lives in us. That Satan has nothing to do with. And has nothing to do with Satan. So do you see the, the need uh, for believers to have Christ increase? and more of the Lord and dying to ourselves. There's a great need. And so uh, even in that hour when the Father, and we don't know it all, I, I, would, I would be lying if I said I understood it fully. And I would be careful of anybody, theologian that says they understand it fully. But when Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, I believe it's the moment where he who knew no sin became sin and that sin is cursed and he became sin for us who knew no sin and the father uh, there was some type of separation between the father and son which had never been before that's as far as I want to go with it but even in that moment he's still calling Jesus is still calling God my God you understand what I'm saying he's still calling upon the Lord and when we're weak and we're being attacked by the devil and we're uh, all of hell's coming against us and so forth, he's still our God. We need to cry out to him. That's where we're going to find our strength. We're going to find our strength. Lord, save me. Lord, help me. We're already saved, but save me from this hour. Save me from this temptation. Save me from myself. Okay, in this thing. And so this is the victory that we read about in Colossians. And, and he won this victory 
by laying down his life on the cross. So this is how the cross comes into play in this lesson and what we're talking about. I'm not trying to make it fit. He won that victory by denying self to the point of death. That's how far he denied self and flesh all the way to death. And we just have to rest in that and reckon it to be so. I don't work and try to die. I count it as being so. And I, and I work and strive to abide in Christ. If that makes sense. To abide in, in Him. And so the Lord won the victory. It's the same victory that He's given to us. But to walk in it, I need to reckon it by faith. And I need to do it daily. 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 The day you got saved is not going to be as sufficient for today. That's why he says we're to take up our cross daily, deny ourselves daily, and follow the Lord daily. And so we need to be quick to believe and, and bow down and trust the Lord. Let's look at this scripture real quickly and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. This uh, continues to talk about Christ and His victory on the cross, specifically in His death. It's not enough that He was wounded. He was obedient unto death. He died for our sins. The wages of sin is death. And in His death, He triumphed. He triumphed over death in dying a sinless death. Death wears your, your sting, right? It's, it's taken away. Because of Christ's victory. But let's look at Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, speaking of Jesus, likewise took part of the same that through what? Death he might destroy. Through death he might destroy him, that's the devil, that had the power of death, that is, the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. How did he win the victory? It's a mystery to us. It's not how ever, we would have never, mankind would never have thought, I'm going to win the greatest victory of all by becoming a lamb that's taken by wicked men and they have their way with me and they're going to kill me. That's going to win the greatest victory. But that's how he did it. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God because the wages of sin is death. He's dealing with sin. And He took the sins of the world upon Him and died for sin that we might be delivered from sin. He never committed a sin, but He bore the sins of the world upon Himself. And so that's, that cross stands as a, as a victory. That cross of Christ stands as a victory. And it stands as a victory for us and when Satan comes against your life or my life or any child of God, Peter's, and that was before the cross, but still, it's almost like the cross is saying you can come, devil, you can come this far and no further. You know, you're going to have to go through this cross, and which you cannot do because Satan, you were defeated on the cross by Jesus Christ. I don't perfectly, I don't claim to perfectly understand it all to the, probably the depth to which it is, but I understand enough to know that it's the truth and to believe it and to walk in it. Amen? And so Satan can come this far 
and no further. Let's look at another scripture real quickly. Romans chapter 16. Verse 20. This is like the little salutation at the, at the end of the, this epistle. Romans 16 verse 20. And there's this hope that's given. There's this victory that's spoken of for the believers. Romans 16 20. And the God of peace shall bruise. That's the word that was used in Genesis 3 that we talked about. Shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. You see that? It's Christ won the victory, but I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is in me. I'm a partaker of His divine nature. I'm His child. These signs will follow them that believe. They're going to cast out devils. We, are, we have been born again by the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That same Spirit. And he says that God, God's going to do it, but He's going to do it under our feet. And the God of peace shall bruise or crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And so, y'all were hidden away. As one, one theologian said, we're crucified together with Christ and hidden away in the wounds of the Redeemer. We're hidden away in the wounds of the Redeemer. One day we're going to walk on streets of gold. We have crowns that we receive as rewards that we'll cast back at the feet of the Lord in honor to Him and worship, saying, You're worthy, Lord. Worthy art Thou, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. I didn't do anything. You, carried, you saved me. You carried me through. But until that day, that glorious day where Satan's won't be present and temptations to sin won't be present and our fleshly nature won't be present until that day we're hidden in Christ and we're hidden as this man said in the wounds of our Redeemer Satan is bruised under our feet and when we are steadfastly in Christ I mean at any given moment like right now you know, we're in obedience to the Lord. We're walking with the Lord. We're not walking in sin right now. In that position, we can honestly say, like Jesus said, the prince of this world cometh and hath what? Nothing in me. Satan has nothing. I, I love that scripture. We talk about it a lot. Satan has no place. We're talking about don't give place to the devil. Satan came and he looked high and low and inside and out and every angle from the time Jesus was born to the time He went to the cross and on the cross and could not find a chink in His armor. He could not find a weak spot in the wall in the line of defense. I'll just throw out some examples. He couldn't get Jesus with pride. He couldn't get Him with self-pity. He couldn't get Him with uh, a desire for just carnal things like food, you know, and the temptation in the wilderness. Or power. All this I'll give you if you'll worship me. Uh, he couldn't find... Jesus really meant that. The God of this world, the devil, who is very formidable and very powerful, cometh and has nothing in me. The Bible says in 1 John, this then is the, the message from the beginning, in him is light and in him is no darkness at all. So I have places in my life Certainly before I came to the Lord, I was darkness. And now I'm light in the Lord. But even in me, when I'm walking in a little five minutes of rebellion to God, or five days, or five weeks, or 
in rebellion to the Lord where I'm kind of just carnal and doing my own thing. I'm giving place to the devil. I'm still saved. I didn't lose my salvation. If I was ever saved to start with, I'm still saved now. But there are places of darkness. There are places where Satan says, uh-huh, I can get him right here. I can get him with laziness. I can get him with overeating. I can get him with uh, watching things uh, or listening to things that are unclean. I can get him with that. I can get him with uh, whatever. We're human beings. And don't think you couldn't fall in these areas. We could fall in these areas. The Bible gives that warning. Take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. And those things were written for our admonition, the Bible says, upon whom the ends of the world are come. And so there are places of darkness, but we can limit that. I said at any given moment, we all got at the altar right now and said, God, search me, oh God, know my heart, try me. And we need to do that a lot, by the way. We need to do that daily. We need show me myself. Show me, Lord, is there anything I'm allowed into my life? If I let my guard down somewhere, is there some sin in my life that I've committed or are com I'm committing now and I'm unaware of it? Sometimes we know good and well, and we just say, God, forgive me. I turn from that. Sometimes we need the Lord to search us and show us. Is there something in my life that I'm not aware of that's not pleasing to you where Satan has access not to my salvation, but access to my life to hurt my testimony to the little foxes that spoil the lines. Remember we talked about recently that eat away at our joy, our peace, our testimony, our relationship with other believers, our relationship with God. That's what Satan wants to do. He's after your faith. And so uh, as long as I'm steadfastly in Christ, if Satan has no place in Christ and I'm filled with this spirit at this given moment, then Satan has no place in me because I'm not giving place to him. Every place is filled with the spirit of the Lord. Every place is yielded to the Lordship of Christ. And it's a simple thought, but it's just what Jesus talked about in John 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me. It's an abiding. I don't want to get too weird with the illustrations and pictures, but, it, but there's light and darkness. Remember uh, Buck taught in Sunday school a couple of weeks on that. There's light and darkness. There's not a mixture of the two. They don't mix. It's not gray. It's not dim. Jesus is light. Okay, the devil is darkness. And I am born again, and I'm the light of the world. But when I give place and take my eyes off the Lord and I pursue after things in the world and I pursue after things that are not pleasing to God but are strictly gratifying to my flesh instead of the things that are of God, there's some darkness and there's places where Satan can get in. Still, his, still God's child. Then I, I'm going to be weak and I will suffer to some extent for that. So it, the striving is not to always fight off the devil. The striving is to abide in Christ. To make sure that, Lord, is this pleasing to you, am I? In your, in your will. And, and, and even that doesn't have to be difficult. Just staying in His Word and staying in prayer. Don't go days without praying. You know, I, I forgot who it was. I would say don't go hours without praying. I forgot which of the wonderful men of God that we talk about all the time said, 
Uh, he said he rarely prayed for more than an hour at a time, but he never went more than an hour without praying. I mean, he was praying all the time. He was just lived a life of prayer. Same law, I'm at work, I can't pray. I'm with, at school, I can't pray. There is a way to pray. You're sitting there and it's you and Jesus in the midst of a bunch of people that may or may not know the Lord. You're talking to someone, you know, a patient in, in, the, in the doctors, in the clinic, whatever, and you still are in communion with the Lord. It's a wonderful thing. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can stay in communion, just you driving down the road in your truck. You're not in church, you're not with other believers. You can pray, you can talk to the Lord. It is possible. And the more we become sensitive to and, and I guess aware of God's presence, these are things we can do, by the way. You cultivate that. Then we're, we know that I'm where I'm supposed to be. I discern it. I know it. I'm with the Lord. And so I'm not living and fretting over, oh, I wonder if I'm about to be overcome by the devil. I wonder if I'm about to go hog wild out in the world. Just keep walking with the, with the Lord. We don't live in fear of the other. We live in communion with the Lord. We abide in Him. In His Word, He says in John 15, abides in us. And that's where the safety is and the life is. And it's that overcoming life that overcomes the devil. And it gives no place to the flesh. And we give no place to the flesh as well. A couple more uh, thoughts tonight. There's a missionary... And he was looking back. He had been a missionary for many, many years. And he was looking back towards the early part of his ministry as compared to the latter part. And, and I'm, I have a few quotes. But basically, he says he looks back over and he noticed the difference. One of the big differences was that when he first ministered, by God's grace, some people that he ministered to were being saved. They were being snatched from the fires of hell and being born again. But he wondered oftentimes why there wasn't more fruit for all the work and for all the preaching and for all the endeavors, why there was so little fruit. And he says the Lord began to show him and he realized that later in his ministry that uh, he's fighting against a very real foe. And again, it's not to, to glorify the devil, but he almost just pretended like there wasn't a devil. He believed there was a biblical devil, but he didn't live... Uh, Understanding that that soul that I'm witnessing to or sharing the gospel with, Satan is fighting for that soul to keep them blinded. You could just almost picture, you know those little pictures of them, you know, I don't know, the monkey with the hands over his eyes. It's almost like Satan's walking around behind somebody. You're wishing, witnessing to your grandmother, you're witnessing to uh, your brother, you're witnessing to different people, and Satan is there, I promise you. Is he greater than God that can save him? No, the Lord's saving people right out of his hands every single day. Okay? Every day. But don't we need to be aware of that the, the enemy is doesn't want them, does not want them to be saved. He blinds the minds of them that believe not. That's what he's after. Belief, the faith, the keeping them away from Christ. And so this missionary began to realize it more and more and began to uh, to battle more, I guess you would say, on his knees in prayer. And it was aware that, hey, Ephesians 6 is true. We are battling against principalities and powers. And he was taking authority over that. And I, I know that, again, to be careful not to get out of balance where everything's 
everything's a demon and every breath of our mouth is addressed to the devil. I, I think that would be out of balance. But you can believe when it comes to a missionary or a soul winner, somebody trying to reach people for the Lord. We were in this neighborhood a few months ago back here. Believe me, Satan's in that neighborhood. Believe me, Satan is wherever there is lost people trying to keep them lost. Okay? And we have to... Uh, the Bible says, and Jesus gave it in the parable of the seed and the sower. That first one that he mentioned, right? The seed that fell by the wayside. What happened to the seed? The sower was good. The seed was good. It was the gospel, the word of God. What happened to the seed? The first seed that fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and snatched it away before it could take any root. Just snatched it away. And in the explanation of the parable, Jesus says that's the wicked one. He comes to snatch away the word that was sown. Okay? So you know he's there. Jesus says he's there. And we're not ignorant of his devices. So I would just think something like when you're going to witness to your brother, we're going out witnessing the strangers or a mission trip. God, we just want to walk in the victory that you've won over the devil. God, you've given us that authority. God, I, I pray that you would... Uh, I thank you that greater is he that's in us than he is in the world. We take authority over the devil in this place, in this person, in this church meeting, in this evangelistic outreach, that God, your word would have free course and that when the seed is sown, they'll lay hold on it by faith and the devil will not snatch it away. I do believe that we are to walk in that and pray that and, and understand that we're in that warfare. And so later this man began to say just the, uh, he says that mighty rivers of floodgates opened of people getting saved in Mexico. That's where he was. And uh, he says rivers in, in the desert of people getting saved. But Satan manifest, he said that Satan's power was manifested. You know, he didn't want to let go. And when we start messing with his kingdom, you're going to see the manifestation of the devil. People are going to come against you. You're going to get persecuted. You know, militaries, governments, whatever. It's going to come against you to try to stop what you're doing. That's Satan raising up. You're getting too close to his home and to his territory. And that's right where we need to be. That's where we need to be. And we fight in the Lord's authority. But uh, here's a scripture from Isaiah. I'm just going to read it. I think it's a wonderful scripture in light of what we're talking about. Isaiah 49, 24 and 25. But thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away and the prey of the terrible be delivered. For I will contend with him who contendeth with you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm, I'm going to snatch. I'm going to snatch the, the victims or the prey right out of the mouth of the enemy. Satan thinks he's got everybody and the whole world lies in the embrace of the devil. Jesus Christ is saving souls every single day. Every single day. Satan is, is loses another one. He's got people, he thinks he's got them so bound up, they'll never get saved. And the Lord, by the Holy Ghost and by the blood of Jesus and through this glorious gospel and through believers sharing it, snatches them right out every day. The Lord says, I will contend with him who contends with you. That's like a promise to us, church, and God will contend with the ones that contend with us. He's on our side. And He's fighting with us and for us. But y'all, we can't 
give in to self-centeredness. That's where we give place to the devil. And I promise you, he'll take it. Amen. I want to close with just a couple of thoughts. Uh, look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. We know this passage is a wonderful passage. Verses 3 and 4. 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. Thou therefore, speaking of Christians, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What is a soldier? Paul used many times in his epistles, he used the analogy of soldiers, of combat, of warfare, of a fight, right? Many times. So it's not strange that we do that or out of balance or out of place. It's exactly what we're in. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. That's the flesh and that's the world. And that's where the cross has to come into play. I'm a believer. I'm a soldier of Christ. As a soldier of Christ, I cannot entangle myself with the affairs of this life. Even though all the affairs of this life are not sinful, I cannot entangle myself in the affairs of this life. Because if I do, I'm not going to be able to fight properly. I'm not going to be able to fulfill the orders of my captain of my salvation. It says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him, as the Lord, who hath chosen him to be a soldier. What did Christ choose me to be? A son or a daughter? He's, all, he's chosen me to be joint heirs with, with Jesus. He's chosen me to be a king and a priest and maybe that to the Lord. But he says on this earth, we're soldiers. We're soldiers. We're ambassadors for Christ, but we're soldiers. And so there's a warfare. Soldiers are to fight. And it's a spiritual battle. And I have to take up my cross or else I'm going to be entangled in the world. I'm going to be gratifying my flesh. My vision is going to drift from the Lord Jesus to things I want and don't want. And somehow the Lord got really vague. And I know he's around somewhere, but I've drifted out to this wilderness somewhere. And there's a roaring lion out here wanting to devour me. Go back to the Lord. Stay with the Lord. Amen. Stay with him. We don't have to stray from him. I'll close with a few more thoughts. And then one scripture. A few more thoughts from this same missionary that, that had shared about his ministry. He says if, if, if the church was not so filled uh, with infant Christians, he says there's Christians that are babies that are being rocked in the cradle of the infancy of faith. They're content with their own personal salvation. So let's think about this. In other words, I'm saved. That's really all that matters. But is that all that matters? I'm also to become more Christ-like. Personally, I'm to become... He saved me and conform, chosen me to be conformed to His image. So me being saved is not enough even just for me. It's enough to get me to heaven. And praise God, you have to be saved. But so many are content in the church just to be saved and want nothing more for their lives to honor God or to be more Christ-like. Also, He has work for us to do. That's why we're still here. We're to reach a lost world for the Lord. He says if we've been reconciled unto God, we've also been given the ministry of reconciliation. 
And so he says, our churches are filled with Christians who are being rocked in the cradle of infancy of the faith, content with their own personal salvation, cooing in the sweet lullabies of spiritual babyhood. He says, and this is the reason the world is just reeling in darkness and in sin and, and drunkenness and so forth. It's because we're not, uh, the church is not being the church fully. It's a rebuke for sure. I don't consider it a condemnation. I consider it a rebuke that much of the church world is content just with where they are. There's no pursuit of more in the Lord or a holier life or to reach their neighbors down the street and tell them about the love of the Savior. Most, most Christians are content with their own salvation. I'm in. When the rapture comes or when I die, I'm in. I'm in heaven. I made it. And there's a lot more that the Lord wants us to do. And so I want you to turn with me and we'll close with this. Well, actually, I'm going to read one and quote a couple. For second, First Corinthians chapter 3. This is just carnality. Talk about those baby, you know, Christians being rocked. And I'm not pointing my finger at some other Christian. That could be me as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. So the church at Corinth, were, were they believers? Yes. Did Paul ever insinuate that they weren't born again and needed to be saved? No, he did not. Do they have a lot of sin in their church? A whole lot. Some stuff you can't believe that was actually going on in the church was going on in the church. He never told them they weren't saved. He told them they were babes. Just like we, the, the guy missionary quoted, he told them they were carnal. That's where the cross comes in. So let's read in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes were in Christ. They were in Christ. I have fed you with the milk and not with me. For hitherto too, you were not able to bear it. You couldn't take strong meat of the word, which they should be. They should be able to take the strong meat and they still needed milk. Neither yet now are you able to take it. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? This is where we need the cross of the Lord. Not just to be saved, but the cross of the Lord to, to, to put a, a death to that carnal nature daily in daily experiences and thoughts and the way we think and speak and act and what we do and what we don't do the cross we'll just stop there two two scriptures in closing galatians six fourteen. paul said but god forbid we know the scripture that i should glory save in the cross of our lord jesus christ well tell me more about that paul he says by whom the world is crucified unto me and i unto the world how is that done? By the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That one, that historical cross, but it's still me reckoning it so, reckoning it so to be my cross and my death. What has it worked for Paul? I'm crucified to the world and the world's crucified to me. Guess what? What liberty, right? Think about that. What freedom to be detached. Cut all the strings off. You know, all those strings that tie us to the world. Like I said, laziness or all. 
money and I, and I want this and I've got to have that. I've got to have the respect of men in my circles of people. All that, just cut it off. You know, just cut it off. And I'm just free to live for the Lord. I'm free to die for the Lord. I'm free to go into places where most people would never want to set foot and be okay there. I'm free to not have all, every creature comfort of life that I thought I had to have and all my peers have. I'm free from that. What a blessing, amen? What a blessing. D, you can come. I'm closing with this scripture. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. That's what it says of the tribulation martyrs in Revelation 12. And I think we can relate that to our own life and testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and we don't love our lives even unto death. It's like Jesus, right? It's like the Lord. This is simply the work of the cross. Just spiritually speaking, the work of the cross in our lives. Y'all stand with me tonight. And, and y'all, the altars are open. I encourage you, please, in a, in a message like this, I would say in any message, there's something I know that the Lord is prompting you to. There's something that He is speaking to your heart. And to, to just come to the altar, however long the Lord would have you to, and lay it down at the foot of the Lord. And the altar is a place of dying. And we come and say, take it, Lord. Take it. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. God, I thank you. The greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? I thank you that you're snatching souls out of the hand of the devil every day. It's nothing for you to do that. And God, I pray you'd help us as your church and your people to be a holy people that would walk in the light as you are in the light. And we wouldn't walk in darkness and we wouldn't give a place to the devil. And we'd be conscious and aware of his schemes. We wouldn't be ignorant of his devices and that he wants us. He wants to attack us. He wants to attack our families, our homes, our testimony, our joy, our peace, our intimacy with you, Lord. Satan is after our faith to cause us to doubt you. And Lord, we have to be on guard, not in fear, but on guard. And walk as good soldiers of Christ, not entangled with the affairs of this life. Help us and strengthen us tonight, God. Forgive us where we've given place to the devil. We take it back, or you take it back, God. We give that place to you instead of the devil. Satan, the Lord rebuke you from this church. The Lord rebuke you from our lives. We give no place to you. Let's just take some time and call upon the Lord tonight.